You are listening to A Taste of Romumu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romumu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Lord Jonathan Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of the British Commonwealth, has a wonderful anecdote, a story that he relates in this week's reading covenant conversation. He tells a story about how he was once on a plane with the Prime Minister, Tony Blair, and now they, they began speaking with one another, and they, they shared an interesting Bible study. They both wanted to study Bible, and so he gave him a class right there on the plane. Um, and what ensued was a long-term relationship with each other about the Parsha of the week, about the portion of the week. And when they came to the end of the book of Exodus, Tony Blair said to Rabbi Sachs, when Rabbi Sachs inquired where he was in his learning, he said, oh, I'm up to the boring part. And he said, what boring part? He said, oh, you know, the whole tabernacle piece. I've skimmed through that, you know. And, And then he asked him, he said, you know, I could go into the British accent now, but I'm not going to do it because Nigel is here and he'll make fun of me. It'll be the whole thing. He says, no. He says, <laughs> you know, he says, um, how is it that, that the Bible gives one chapter to the creation of the world and almost 15, it's four full chapters are given to the creation of the tabernacle in the desert? How is that possible? And Rabbi Sachs said to him something that I think was quite brilliant, amongst the many brilliant things that Rabbi Sachs says and writes. He says, it took one chapter for God to create a world for man, and many more chapters for us to create a world for God. And in some very powerful way, the entire conversation every year about the tabernacle, whether it's on the simple level or the allegorical level, is a conversation about each and every one of us and how we create a space for God in this world, a space for the divine, a space for this for the mysterious, the space for the power of spirit of heart, whatever tag name is your comfortable God name, it's that space where the sacred is at the core, at the center. And so it behooves us every year to look carefully, as we have done over the past years and certainly this year, at what it is that we might glean from the conversation within the tabernacle about various pieces of the tabernacle, And tonight, one specific character who appears out of nowhere. You would think at this point, after Parshat Shuma and Titzaveh a couple of weeks ago, where Moses had received the instructions in detail on how to build this portable shul, as it were, that Moses would be the one to build it, right? It would be Moses who would be not only the receiver the transmitter of those instructions, but then Moses himself would be the implementer of that plan. Moses is not shown a lack of leadership. Moses has the trust of the people. And yet, Moses says to the children of Israel in chapter 35, verse 30, Adunai 
see, look, behold, that God has singled out by name Bitzal El, Ben Uri, Ben Chur, Lemate Yehuda. See, I'm going to introduce you to the artist. Henceforward, the one who will create the tabernacle, his name is Bitzalel. Nice to meet you, Bitzalel. God has given him understanding and wisdom, and he knows this is the architect for your dream shul. Where did he get this name from? Bitzalel. Bitzalel. The Midrash very beautifully plays on his name and tells us this remarkable, remarkable Midrash, this folk. And Bitzalel, the son of Uri, made all that God commanded Moses in chapter 38. The Midrash begins with, a, with an anomaly. The verse will tell us that Bitzalel will make everything that God had commanded Moses, all that Moses had commanded him. Right? It should say that Bitzalel received the instructions from Moses and carried them out dutifully. But instead the text says in this quote from the Midrash, something odd. This Bitzalel who has just made his way onto the scene, who isn't privy to those instructions that Moses was privy to, the text tells us that he carried them out just as God had told Moses. What should it say? Everybody, you with me? What should it say? Just as Moses told him, Bitzalel. Everybody get that? Bitzalel is the intermediary. Bitzalel is now the architect who will receive all of the, the specific directions and detailed instructions from Moses. And the text says that Bitzalel does everything that God had commanded Moses. You could say, what would be the simple answer to this is, he did exactly what Moses was told by God. And, and relate to him. It just doesn't say that. So it says the Midrash. Even in, master, even in matters that Moses, his teacher, had not taught him, Bitzalel's opinion was attuned with what Moses had been told by God. For Moses told Bitzalel to make the furnishings first and the Mishkan afterwards. And Bitzalel said to him, is that the way of building a house? Right? To build the house first and then to place, to build the, the vessels first, the furniture, and then to build the house? No, you build a house first and then you put the utensils in it. And Moses said, oh, you're right. That's what God told me. Indeed, that's what I heard from the mouth of the Holy One of Blessing. And then he said to him this, Bitzalel, you must have been Bitzalel. You must have been in the shadow of God and listening in, for absolutely did God command me as you intuited. And that is the meaning of Bitzalel did as God had commanded Moses, even when Moses didn't remember. Bitzalel, everyone, who will be the architect of not only the Mishkan, but as we said in the beginning of the world. Bitzalel is the archetype of the one who builds a world for God is someone who can hear things that are only hinted at. He has to have the capacity to hear in a remiza, in a hint, and get the whole thing. In other words, Betzalel, Betzalel, the one who sits in God's shadow, is someone for whom it doesn't all have to be spelled out. 
that is a defining feature of one who creates God's world is that we are sensitive and attuned to our environment that we can extract from, the, from a, 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 a wink, a hint, an illusion. To be an architect for God is to be able to take a hint. In our literature, the mystical tradition is considered a hint. The whole corpus. Whenever you read in the Kabbalah, they will give you a sentence. They'll give you a paragraph, and then at the end of it, they'll say, It's enough for someone who has an understanding heart. We won't go on. Birimiza, a remez, with an illusion, with, with some fame, some moment of disclosing. And the greatness of a Betzalel, of the archetype of Betzalel, is that he doesn't need to know the whole story. In fact, he is sensitive enough to pick up the story from a moment. Give a wise man something small and they'll make something big of it. And if Rabbi Sachs is right that the tabernacle is our society, it is our communities, we can measure ourselves on how well we are in our architectural capacities by how well we take a hint. In the Jewish world now, conversations are about conversations. Whether or not it's okay to have a conversation about Israel that might be offensive, can we even have a conversation? Arguments back and forth about what should or should not be said in a shul, in a JCC around the world. And I'll tell you something, friends. I am more afraid of things that aren't said in this world. I'm more afraid of the things that we don't say that we should say. The things that people are hinting to us that are yearning to come out, but we don't give them the space for them to see the light of day. And as that's true for the larger Jewish community, I'm afraid in communities, and ours is one of them, where we don't pick up on hints, where we don't have our betzalel ears and eyes and hearts, that somebody can be sitting next to us, in front of us, behind us. And unlike Betzalel, we can't hear what they're screaming to us. We can't hear the little hints, the illusions. One of the most beautiful parts of being brought up in the world of text study in yeshivot, classical yeshivot, is that I remember once one of my rabbis, one of my teachers said to me, said, Ingber, you know why you're not getting this text? And I said, why? He said, because you can't smell it. You don't smell the text. You don't hear what isn't being said. All you're focused on, he said, is what's there. And you can't, you haven't attuned yourself, he said, to what isn't being said. I wonder to myself every year, when Yom Kippur comes and I make this announcement and I say to everybody, if I, if I did anything wrong, please forgive me. And almost, it's amazing. I know that people are angry at me and nobody sends me any emails. <laughs> we are each and every one of us 
guilty to some degree or another of, for good reasons, Chavre, for good reasons. This isn't with judgment. I'm not angry at all. There are a whole host of reasons in a place like New York City where we would not be attuned to the hints that B'Tzalel was attuned to. There are all kinds of reasons, our busy schedules, our busy lives, and we make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. People need me and I forget, or I'm too busy, or I'm too tired, and I don't show up. And B'Tzalel throws it down in this Midrash, because this Midrash you could read it in so many different ways. Wow, B'Tzalel was the one who could jump over the intermediary of Moses and have a direct communication with God. Wonderful. But I'm more concerned with his way of knowing that he could hear what was only alluded to and from that he could be so sensitive to make a paragraph, to make a chapter, to make a story. That's what it is to build God's world is to be awake to that information that is coming at us as best we can. Or else, what's it all about? What's all of this about? There are questions that we don't ask. There are conversations that we don't have. And community becomes another place where we can hide. Somebody said to me, you know, Rabbi, the shul is getting bigger. That's the big question. What happens to intimacy? Let me tell you something tonight, everybody. Intimacy has nothing to do with the number of people who sit in a shul on Friday night or Saturday morning. You could have a shul with 50 people and everybody will be a stranger. You could have a shul with 50,000 people and everybody leaves services and within five minutes they turn to someone and say, I, I could feel you need to talk to me and I want to ask you a question. I wanted to call you on a Wednesday. I want to find out. That's the Bitzal Ale moment. You didn't say it to me, but I could hear it in your voice. You called me at 11.30, you usually call me in the morning. Why are you calling me at 11.30 at night? And I'm guilty as all of us are. How can we become attuned to the stories that are not being told? To smell the texts that are only alluded to, that are deeper and deeper. How can we care enough to ask those things to emerge? That's the question. That's my question. It was a great Hasidic Rebbe. His name was Moshe Leib of Sasev. And the Sasev of Moshe Leib, there's a story. He was so full of love. Wherever he went, he was giving, he was giving, he was giving. And they asked him, he said, Moshe Leib, how did you become such a loving human being? He said, I'll tell you. I learned how to love other human beings from two Russian peasants in a bar. They were a little bit surprised, you know. They said, Rebbe, what happened? He said, they were sitting over a bottle of strong Ukrainian vodka, and one of them, in a slurred, drunken drawl, yelled to his friend, Igor, do you love me? Igor, somewhat surprised, said to him, of course, Ivan, of course I love you. No, no, insisted Ivan. Do you love me? Really? Igor, now feeling a little bit cornered, said to him, 
What do you think? I don't love you. Of course I love you. You're my best friend, Ivan. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm your best friend, said Ivan. If you really loved me, then why don't you know what hurts me right now and the pain that I have in my heart? So Moshe Leib, he got a bit sour moment. He said, if we're going to be a community, if it's two people, if it's 2,000 people, if you love me, then can you take a hint? Can we?